0: hello there and welcome back to episode 12 of not so famous the variety show podcast that brings you laughs love and lamentations anyway if you're new to the show welcome we're happy to have you before we get started, I just want to thank you all for making this show possible by lending your time and your ears and remind you that this show is for you. Now without further ado, let's jump into the show here on episode 12 of Not So Famous. I'm your host, Mitchell Hansen, and across from me, metaphysically speaking, of course, it's the lovely, the talented, the witty Hannah Record, Born in LA from a circus family, dad being a singing comedy impressionist, and mom being a dance teacher and choreographer, Hannah was immersed in the biz. From a super young age. As a toddler, she went to all of her mom's dance rehearsals and would not sit on her blankie as instructed, but she'd learn choreography from West Side Story to 42nd Street. Fun fact, when Han would watch her dad do his thing on stage, whenever he'd sing music of the night, she'd cry because she was terrified of the Phantom of the Opera and she still to this very day is. However, she knew performing needed to be a part of her life in some big way. Hannah attended the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, where she earned her BFA in musical theater. Since graduating, Hannah moved to New York City and has established a position at a well-known, star-studded comedy club. Hmm... She also has worked at Tuacon Amphitheater in gorgeous St. George, Utah, where she worked with Broadway teams for two years. In Utah, Hannah realized she had a talent and passion for voiceover work and has since voiced a pilot for ESPN and is currently voicing and in the writer's room for a new cartoon. Now, Hannah continues to hustle, but has developed a small cross-stitch business on Instagram called Granny Hanny Cross-Stitch and just wrapped a pilot and two short films, 2019 Rocks. Yeah, I'd say so. Hey, Hannah, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Mitchell. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. What a long lit. I know it's been uh, uh, quite a while since we got some time to catch up, but holy shit, girl, you have been busy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, nearly four years. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, been busy. Been busy.
0: So I, I want to start kind of at the beginning, um, just because I'm curious. So, Dad, singing comedy impressionist, what exactly does that entail?
1: So he sings like other people in a funny way. So he, oh. he actually opens with a 60s medley as Casey Kasem, who was a radio MC back in the day.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He did, like, the top 100, right? Oh, yeah.
1: He's like, and Casey Kasem here with the top American Top 40. And then he goes through and does, like, the Bee Gees, the Singing Nun, um, <laughs> Bob Dylan. Um, okay. Uh, oh, gosh, who else? Uh, oh, The Boss. I mean, really everything. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay, but he did, like, I guess musical theater as well for Music of the Night. And, so, like
1: yeah, he, he also will do a musical theater medley at some point in his act. Now, he'll sing Music of the Night from time to time, and honestly... I wish my dad played the Phantom because it is really beautiful. But Mm -hmm. I did used to be afraid of it as a child. Like, I'd hide in my seat because I hated it so much because it was scary. I mean, the dum-dum-dum-dum-dum is very intimidating for a little kid.
0: Yeah. So how little little were you, like, when you'd go see, you know, either of them, really? I I mean, it says you're sitting on a blankie, but, like, are you, like, two years old or?
1: Oh, I was, like, six months old the first time I flew. Oh, my God. My family, yeah. Um, And I really enjoyed it. Thought it was super fun. Um, Yeah, went to rehearsals with my mother. And I had to sit on my blanket with my goldfish. And if I stayed on my blanket, I could get a Happy Meal afterward. And I really (laughs) just really wanted that toy (laughs) more than the chicken nuggets. So I behaved. But I still stood up and would try to attempt to learn the choreography that she was teaching. Like, I even... (laughs) Made, like, a weird little shiv with one of my toys for West Coast Story. Because
0: <laughs> I'm a freak. Oh, yeah. my God. And, like, and started would, doing like, the attempt, snaps?
1: I would, like, attempt to do, like, the dive, like, stabs, I guess. <laughs> and, like, try to be a jet. And to okay. this day, I want to be a jet, you know. Um,
0: well, once you're a jet, I mean, you're, you're a jet, jet all the way. All the
1: way. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, and then for Dad, I actually, when I was about seven... He invited me on stage and I sang somewhere out there from Fievel.
2: Aww. You remember that
1: movie? Yeah. Yeah. An American Tale. And I sang that and I remember my dad like lit, lied down on the floor and held the microphone up to me and was like nodding his head to the beat. And I was so nervous, but then I looked looked out at, at the crowd and I was like, I belong here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you knew right then?
1: I, I just knew from a young, it just was it's been a part of my life since I was born. I mean, I really feel like I was born into this, and my parents have been the most supportive parents. I feel so lucky because there are so many parents that aren't as supportive of the arts and their children mm-hmm. making a life for themselves in the arts, and I, I can't thank my parents enough for their support. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's been since since I came out of my mom.
0: <laughs> Dang, I, yeah. that's incredible. I mean, and, and kudos to your parents, because it's especially hard, I'm sure, for people in the performing arts who see, you know, how much of a grind it is, how much uh, a struggle it is from job to job and gig to gig, to not only, you know, raise one hell of a kid, but then see that kid say, oh, you know, this is incredible. This is what I want to do. And I want to go into it. And it's probably hard for them to be like oh ah, shit I wish she was like a surgeon or something you know like (laughs)
1: well you know my sister is a doctor she's a physical therapist and they are so proud of her they just don't understand her world as much Uh Um, but since they set such a strong example that it is possible to build a life in the theater and in the arts and in entertainment it's just kind of been like a well this, this can happen. This is a total possibility. Like just without even like, there's no, no, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, like, was it hard for you growing up see, like would they leave for trips and things like that? Or were you always flying with them? I mean, no, did you so, ever?
1: So my dad would get some complimentary tickets from time to time for the cruise ships that he would perform on. Okay. And, um, so we'd go with him sometimes, but I was really used to my dad, you know, leaving for three months at a time sometimes to go help provide for our family. Yeah. So, but I, I just got used to that. That was just kind of part of growing up was dad's leaving. We're going to have a nice big dinner. And then we like I would go and pick him up from the airport and it was a big thing and I would call him and email him. It was just also a great uh, exercise in communication with my family, like always communicating and keeping the bonds strong.
0: I was going to say, so they really included you in like that kind of decision making, which I think is, is also a kudos to your parents. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's hard at the natural, um, you know, inclination is to kind of be like, okay, well, mom and dad are going to make decisions. Like grown ups are talking and then we'll kind of convey those decisions in whatever way, you know, we think is best for the kids. But I mean, the only thing that I can relate to is that like my dad was in the military and so he would get deployed and I was like, seven and i was like where's daddy going for so long Mm. and they immediately brought us in they were like we're not going to play with you like he's getting deployed it's a dangerous situation it's going to be hard when he comes back he's going to have to adjust like but i can kind of see it's a similar situation with you on the opposite side of the spectrum like dad's gonna go and he's making money for us to sustain ourselves and like, you know, that goofy thing he does is loved by many. So you have to let him go for a little while Truly so that he can come back. Many.
1: I have no idea why he isn't as like more well-known as he should be. But um, yeah, no, it was definitely part of part of my childhood.
0: And he's still doing it.
1: Still doing it. Still kicking. So now instead of a uh, fan of, the opera, he has a Chicago medley and he goes mm-hmm. from cellophane, Mr. Cellophane.
0: And oh, he, wow. He
1: does a tap number for Razzle Dazzle.
0: Holy shit.
1: I know. And um, like he's a he grew up playing like 14 different instruments. This man is unbelievable. Um, oh, and so he would like, from a young age, like 14, would go do paid gigs for like 10 bucks. Um, wow. He was a percussionist primarily. So he's a percussionist with his hands and his feet.
0: <laughs> wow okay so you had parents that definitely put it into you and then what so like what was uh, you you sang on stage when you were seven and then what was the impetus to go to um uarts like up in philly like what was i mean in high school did you do a lot of theater or shows or like did you kind of not touch it
1: i did all through grade school from age six to 18 i did a mm-hmm. show every year i did multiple shows every year Except for the years of 11 and 12, because I needed a break. And I was (laughs) focusing more on uh, ballet and being in a company at that time. And I thought that was like more along the lines of what I wanted to be when I grew up.
2: Uh And
1: I would go to uh, ballet intensives for, gosh, one, two, three, four, five years. Two years at Boston Ballet, three years at Ballet Austin.
0: And oh my uh, God. yeah,
1: my second year at Ballet Austin, they asked me to be a trainee, but my mom said you have to finish high school. <laughs>
0: oh wow okay so let me ask you this then did you ever feel um like kind of torn between two worlds like your mother's kind of a dancer and a choreographer and your dad is kind of like a singer you know comedian um performer did you ever feel like you had to pick a side or is that kind of why you
1: never i was like musical theater incorporates it all i'm gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) so and they've always been like i said super supportive and so uh, in Los Angeles, where I grew up like nine, eight, nine months out of the year growing up, uh-huh. um, I would go to this really awesome theater in Santa Monica called Morgan Wixon,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: did the children's theater there from six to 11, and then I did high school musicals. I did Oklahoma, How to Succeed, Sweeney Todd, where I played Mrs. Lovett, and that was like one of the best experiences of my life to this date and um what else oh Barnum and then I did my first straight play called the front page and I was just like I I, I literally can't get enough of this and when I was applying to colleges I applied literally everywhere and I was between two schools and Philly UArts really sealed the deal because I liked the location I liked the the degree I would be coming out with mm-hmm. hopefully um, and I really, I like their curriculum a little more. It was more what I like conservatory based mm-hmm. and I, that's what, what I really wanted as opposed to like a real college experience, as we say, like with quotes, um, <laughs> with like a campus and good right. life and mixers and st- like lecture halls. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt that UArts was going to be a better fit for me and it was, oh my gosh, that's embarrassing.
0: No, it's okay. Hey, you're a busy lady. Um, it's someone asking you to do something for them. Um, no, my sister's, on stage or...
1: sister's just asking me when I'm when I'm getting home to Massachusetts.
0: <laughs> Aww.
1: Yeah, she cute. She cute.
0: All over the country. <laughs> Um, so you, you go to college, uh, I mean, at Uarts and when, even when I met you, that, that makes sense for me wanting the conservatory style, like going to school thinking like, look, I want to get in, do my business, have fun and get out. Like that's a very professional attitude. And even when I met you, it was my freshman year. You were, I think, a junior.
1: Yeah. Was that Kiss Me Kate year?
0: yeah it was it was the spring um you were very like professional when the professional time came you know when everyone was like okay we gotta be we gotta block the scene you'd be like yes we're blocking the scene but then you'd like kind of look off stage at us and like do a funny face or something and we'd be like oh hannah um
1: (laughs) oh hannah hands on hips
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh wagging finger um but, I mean, that that seemed to really like you know, permeate your entire career. even oh, yeah. into school, you you brought that maturity and that um, essence of wanting to perform and wanting to be there, that like hunger um, into I, the room with you.
1: I am extremely starving to work all the time, and that's something my mama says, and I is I ain't afraid of work. Um, which I have never been. I'm super as much as I don't take this too seriously I take it very seriously because you know it's my livelihood um,
0: yeah, ex- I, I'm sorry to ask you but expand on that so like what um what what do you think is the line like where where is the line? do you have an example maybe of like because i I think I I mean, I know what you mean. And that like taking it seriously, we have to kind of just be like, well, that's show business. Like, you know, sometimes we don't get what we want and sometimes we just have to go and and have fun. And then they, if we get that rejection notice or whatever, it's it's, you know, no big deal. But also there's there's something about making it your livelihood and telling other people like I'm an actor and this is my craft and you have to respect it. Can you ex- expand on that at all?
1: absolutely so as much as this business is super fun and you're playing pretend and opening night's happening and you're getting like little gifties from the theater and you have flowers from your sweetheart and you're getting attention and it feels great it's all about showing up it's all about putting in the work it's all about discipline and if one thing slips like um, your your product is not going to be the best that it can be and if it's not going to be the best that it can be what's the point you know um yeah uh and i i just take it very seriously like in the rehearsal room but you know when you're on stage that's when like you can release is when you're performing and like in rehearsal that's the place for mistakes and welcome mistakes it's just all about being open relaxed and released like while keeping your feet firmly on the ground and you know not farting around during rehearsal you know Mm-hmm. Cause that has happened in my professional career is people like just messing around during rehearsal. It's like, this is the time to make mistakes. And yeah, it was Shrek the musical, but you know, who cares? Um, just, it's about focus, I guess. And
0: do you ever get, like, really pissed at someone? Do you have, like, a tick that if you see someone doing, like, I know that I, if I'm in a rehearsal room and people are goofing off, I have to, like, quell the urge to be like, shut the fuck up. Like, we are supposed to be doing something. Like, you guys have to. Or, like, stepping into, like, guys, you are hurting me. Like, my feelings are hurt when you talk or whatever. Do you have, like, a thing that you do? Or do you just, like, sit back and, like, oh, hope someone my handles it?
1: Liz, please stop. Um uh my sister is texting me again I apologize I'm so sorry it's okay. um so I remember this particular time when I was out at TuaCon and there was a group of boys that were um like cutting up during a scene that I was rehearsing so I was playing Gingy in mm-hmm. uh Shrek but they were literally loudly talking and I I stopped in the middle of my scene I said excuse me and I looked over and I said can you please stop talking And, you know, the room quiets and they get a little embarrassed and we carry on.
0: (laughs) Did it feel good?
1: I mean, I just wish they didn't talk. I mean, we're we're all get we're all adults here. Like, Mm -hmm. if you need to talk, step outside, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just as simple as that. And as earnest as that is, please stop talking
0: yeah so what does your like you said you mentioned your work um not being the best that it can be and if it's not the best it can be, then you know what's the point um would well, have been it mean? a bit of aggressive
1: for me to say but well, no, but I do strive not... for um i I get I don't know like I know my full potential and I know the feeling it is when I'm like fully released and then a good telltale sign is uh being exhausted <laughs> after mm. um that's how you know that you've done a like good job well done
0: um mm-hmm. yeah no i'm just curious because i i don't think it's aggressive uh, of you at all to say i i would agree like if you're gonna show up and you're gonna do the job don't half-ass it yeah uh, I, I guess mean, that's, that's what i
1: mean like like put in your all put in 100 percent. also Everyone notices. Everyone notices if you're a hard worker and everyone notices if you're a slacker.
0: Yes, absolutely. I want to talk more on that. I think, um, I mean, everybody notices if you're 100%, but everybody also notices that like... I think there's something to like doing your personal best because I think it's impossible to hit like that flow state you're talking about every single time where you like you you come into the room and you are starting to rehearse and then like hours and hours go by and you look at the clock and it's been 15 you know hours and you're finished with the entire day and the show is blocked and you're like where where was I what happened It happens Mm -hmm. for sure, but but like sometimes sometimes you come into the room with 70% 70 of yourself and that, like you have to at least hit 70%. It doesn't have to be a hundred. Don't have to force your way there. there, But if you've got 70% to give, you have to give that 70%. I completely Um, agree.
1: Um, Again, out at Tuacon. So it's an outdoor amphitheater mm -hmm. in Southern Utah in the summer. mm -hmm. At night, it's 115 degrees. Fuck. Yup. And uh, so I was prepared for my 70% performance because when you're playing a Lost Boy and you're dressed in layers of fur and a wig and protective gear on a rake stage where you're sprinting, you know, you're not going to be able to to do as much as you can in an air conditioned rehearsal room, you know? And so while they took great care of us and like provided you know, ice buckets and huge industrial air conditioners and water bottles on every set piece, It, you know, the elements, you got to fight the elements sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, that, that's just one little reason. Um, but like, you know, indoors, especially like when you're sick and mm-hmm. you have to sing, <laughs> and you're like, ugh, I really don't want to know this. Again, preparing that 70%, but 100%, 70%. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I totally agree. I mean I, mean, I mean, I and I think that that's, that's the thing that thing is, uh, um, people that aren't in the arts and specifically arts aren't in the theater arts are arts are, are, not are not necessarily serious. seeing, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, They're like, like just you just... Uh, the, I hear like the... I hate the phrase fake it until you make it because oh, right, I, I, I... I just don't think it, it adds any actual value to our society or to our performances. I think that there has to be a, a moment of like... Self acceptance. Um, I think, like, this is where I am. This is what I can be. I have to assess exactly that. I have to know what I need to do to get to, you know, the most that I can be, like you're saying, like hitting that potential um and then then enact that that plan plan. and sometimes Sometimes i I know like for for me at least sometimes i'm like okay okay, if i I start talking to people like when i come into the rehearsal room and i like play nice nice and make fun i'm wasting energy energy. so i'm gonna go into my rehearsal room put my stuff down put my headphones in zone out and zone in and then when i come on the stage i'm gonna do my thing like do you have anything like that that you like kind of hit into focus and and grind um you know out what, what you know to, to be your your, your best, best potential? potential? Does, that Does that make sense? sense?
1: Yes. So like pre- prep? Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Uh, meditation. Meditation is amazing. Uh, breathing. Focusing on breathing. Trying not to even think about what I'm about to do yet mm-hmm. until basically I'm about to get on stage. Because by mm-hmm. then, hopefully, the rehearsal process has done its job. And now mm-hmm. I'm just doing the work. I'm just there. I'm there Doing what I've prepared, um, like for instance, um, I so I'm the first female spot Conlon in Newsies ever, wow. and um, it's a fun thing, and it was kind of a harder role for me because one, it's like okay, so in our production, the marvelous Jeffrey Denman, who is our fearless leader, comes up to me and he's like, I want you to be spot, um. But I don't want you to be a boy. I want you to be a girl. And I was like, "Fierce, let's do it." Well, Disney, yeah, yeah. Disney didn't like that, so they said, "Nope, has to be a boy." <laughs> what, to me, so to me, I said, mm, I'm going to play a boy, but still be a girl." So I'm. So what my reasoning was, uh, turn of the century. Who's gonna listen to a young girl? So mm-hmm. I I figured, uh, this person. Is going to go by the name of Spot because genderless and is going to dress the part of a boy and act like, quote, quote, a boy, whatever that means in mm-hmm. order to run his Brooklyn, you know, yeah. and and to protect and to lead at any cost. Um, and so I, I did it more like that. And there was a lot in there, more than I thought. And there's like two lines that Spot says, but it was a it was a in the body thing that I have to prepare is a lot of body work a lot of movement work I had to have a limp I also had an eye patch so I could only see out of one eye
2: oh my god and I
1: was like god in in St. George summer and I'm wearing leather
0: they like made me a leather
1: daddy Um, dear
0: lord (laughs) Hannah I mean congratulations Congratulations. this is incredible
1: so it was trying but so before I am on for Brooklyn's here I'm like breathing I'm in the dark I'm on set the lights are about to come up. The da 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 is starting to pick up. I start to get excited, and that's kind of when I know that I've tapped into Spot. And then, you know, I have already prepared what Spot what I need for Spot in order to become Spot. And for me, it was a lot of anger, a lot of angst, a lot of um, uh, misogyny, like mm-hmm. thinking about that. The patriarchy really helps um to get me angry, um, and just stare into the spotlight like i want to kill it and yeah. that worked for me um received very well and uh yeah just trusting the process i guess is the shortest thing to say
0: yeah and i mean i'm a huge um you know fan of, of rick Stopperworth saying you know structure will set you oh, free I live
1: by that every day
0: yeah, yeah I mean, if you, if you if you put your work up front, you get, you get to relax, relax out back, out back essentially, yeah. um, um, is what, what I always say. You, you get to enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, you're not worried about all the moving parts. parts. Everything just kind of clicks in, in together. together. Yeah, it's uh, like a
1: well-constructed house, know. you know? You build the building blocks, and you'll, you'll be comfortable. Yeah, yeah the and
0: then the rest just of just the time that you're living in there, you get to enjoy it. Um that's incredible hannah i mean thanks for letting us in on onto your process a little bit and I'm, I'm sure it was hard um to reconcile like that hatred of of you know the the patriarchy and this incredible misogyny even coming down from fucking disney like saying yeah saying it has to be a boy and you kind of that made me
1: so upset when he told me that out. and i looked at him and he looked at me and i said I'm still gonna be a girl. And he shakes head had big, like like he does, you'll if if you ever get the privilege to work with Jeffrey, um shakes his head very, very fast and says, Yup, yup, mm-hmm, yup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's incredible. He's on I mean the side like, of
1: the actor. I really I really respect him.
0: Yeah, I can tell. Um and where would we be without, you know, our mentors and our directors and our teachers and um, I think that part of it is so important. But I also you touched on something that I, I really um, I know you wanted to talk about and I'm, I'm definitely interested in. So you're talking about a lot of adversity. I mean, there's it's, it's hard to be a woman, period, hard to be a woman in theater. Um, hard to be a woman coming up against such incredible you know pa- patriarchy and such um you know devastating news and and then not to mention the heat, the costumes um you know not uh, dealing with people that are are bullshitting their way around um, set and stage how do you stay hungry for the theater? what is it that keeps you going? Is it you know the the message is it the feeling what what is it?
1: Kind of both. And also, I know that I don't want to be serving tables for the rest of my life, which I'm not poo-pooing that on anybody that does do that. But for Mm -hmm. me, I really don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. For me, at Tuacon, waking up, going to the gym, maybe to yoga, going for a hike, doing what I want to do, writing a little, doing my cross-stitch, like I just, and then doing a show at night. Mm -hmm. that's like perfect that's Mm -hmm. that's so what I want to do and I get so excited when I have another project coming up and I have to prepare for it and I have to research and I have to you know rent a rehearsal room to do some movement work or Mm -hmm. um you know practice lines and say you know I I really love to tell my friends that I can't go out because I have to practice lines like that or like, you know, <laughs> sorry i can't sorry, can i can't have like rehearsal, rehearsal. <laughs> um, yeah i just i love the lifestyle and when i found out that if you choose to work in the theater in entertainment in performing that's your life you work all the time and that is so exciting to me and when i have a project um coming up that's the thing that i look forward to the most is the work and if i don't have something coming up from an outer source, I just create it. So I have become a writer as well, as it said in my bio. Um, I started doing promo work and pilot work for CNBC, ESPN, and ABC this year, which is really unexpected. Yeah, um, seriously. And then I'm on in the writer's room for a new cartoon, which is... Crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. How did all that happen? Like, I'm sorry to be so bland in my questioning, but like, how did you? How did that all stumble uh, into your life? I'm sure by a lot of hard work.
1: I, yes, and it kind of just fell in my lap. Weirdly Isn't enough, it is the best. It is the best. Um, I was working, gosh, over forty hours a week at this restaurant, wanting to yank my hair out every single day. Uh huh. Like you do. Like you do. And my uncle. Calls me at the end of a shift, and he goes, "Hey, Han, I'm out with this guy. Uh, they need improv artists this week," and I was like, "What?" Mm-hmm. And he goes, "I'm gonna put you on with him." And I met this man, and he is a director, and you know, really wanting to make pilots and promos, and works for ABC. And he's like, "Hey, uh, I," so he like gave me all these really weird details. Turns out they really just needed a writer, not an improv person. It was all okay. like really bouncing off the walls at the beginning. Um, and the, that night he texted me, he says, so give it to me straight. Are you a writer? Well, I froze. And I was like, my, like cut to the scene of SpongeBob where it's like on fire and all of his papers all, are all over the place and he can't remember <laughs> his name, you know?
0: hmm And he's, and he's like, like, throw everything out that isn't
1: about writing. Absolutely. Um, and uh i I looked through my old files of like because i'm also writing a film with my friend that we've been working Mm -hmm. on for about a year now um Mm -hmm. i looked back on it and i was like damn i'm a good writer i'm a good writer and so what if none of my shit's been published like come on so i replied yes (laughs) and uh i have developed well i can't take credit for it my good friends uh say this is to ride the tidal wave you see a huge opportunity coming right at you and that's really really intimidating when it's happening because you're like i don't know if i'm ready for this yeah Yeah. and you just say yes and wonderful wonderful things happen that week i paid for like half my rent that's That's incredible and i was like this is what it's about y'all like so amazing and Unexpected, and then he asked me to do another project later, so that was really cool. And then, once I had voiced the pilot for the new cartoon, the writer approached me and he was like, Hey, do you want to be on the writer's team? And I was like, oh, Yeah, damn, yeah, so that's nuts.
0: It is nuts, but it's also not surprising to me at all. I mean, you uh, have always given off such like a fun, collaborative energy. And I mean, couple that with your desire and hunger to work. Um, i mean mean that that it just seems innate innate. the The more that you talk about it the more that i understand that like this is just something that that is in you you know like Like, there there are days where i get home and i'm like oh i can't can't do another another single thing thing. and then i don't and that does not seem like an option for you which is impressive contrary
1: Um, to popular belief uh rest is something i learned is as important as the hustle
0: the hard, the hard way, way you know, oh, yeah, you learn the hard way. Um,
1: last year, I'll be quite candid, was one of the worst years of my life. Period. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sucked, and you know it could have been worse. But on my end, financially, personally, mental health wise, it was mm. horrendous. I started out coming back, um, and subletting nearly every single month of twenty eighteen. <sighs> And so I had three boxes and my two suitcases, and I was tropesing around New York trying to like make each place home, Mm -hmm. and that was really, really hard. Um, had no money because none of my jobs were lucrative enough, so then Mm -hmm. I was working. At one point, I had six jobs,
2: and I
1: really hated life, (laughs) and I was like, I'm not working on what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I'm... You know, I I feel like I'm failing. And I I was losing my cool a lot. And I I just, at one point, I was about to break. Like, to be honest, I just, I was truly about to break. And I was crying every day. And I was like, this sucks. Like, I don't, and then it clicks. I don't have to do this right now. (laughs) I, Mm. and I am, I will say, I'm very lucky and I'm lucky enough to have my family on the East Coast in the summers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I basically texted them because I already borrowed so much money from my parents, but I felt so bad asking them if I could come home for three weeks. And they said, of course. And I did. And I found out so much about myself by just kind of not doing anything for like three weeks. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people can't afford to do that. But if you if you can, if you can just take a day to do what you need to do, to sleep in, to work out, to do yoga or do yeah. absolutely nothing. It it does wonders. No,
0: I mean I think I love that first of all. And thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable. I really appreciate it. And I, I, think, I think that's what this show is, about. This show is all about. Um, you know, getting to hear this from someone who is so incredibly successful. Um, you know, share kind of their, their hard hitting moments. And, uh, it is hard. I mean, I think it's hard also to reconcile in your own brain, like at, at least for me, um, but when you're, when you're, when you're working at something and you're just, it's not happening, you're like, but if I give up, I lose, like the game of life, like somehow I, I have failed the people. Yeah, the people like depending on me and that have supported me for so long. I know I felt a, a, a sick shame to my parents that like if I didn't hit certain milestones in my life that I wasn't worthy of their love or their affection. Um, Absolutely. But, and
1: I know they'd never like no. disown me or anything. But, you know, it's hard when you both your parents are really successful. Like that's what they do. My parents only do what they do. Mm-hmm. and which is amazing
0: um mm-hmm.
1: but here i am like i was catering working at two restaurants mm-hmm. um brand ambassadoring doing alcohol samples like constantly every day like 14 hours a day like and i was like i just feel like a failure like yeah, yeah. because i'm not doing what i'm doing and it it was really hard to like snap myself out of that mentality and just be like, you know, you're doing what you need to do to survive Mm -hmm. and life is sucking right now. And honestly, it won't last forever. It really, really won't.
0: I think think that's the biggest biggest thing. thing. I mean, mean, if if you you are hammering at a door trying to get it to open, you're cutting in a doggy door and trying to fit through it. You're sawing away, you know, the, the, the doorknob to try and open it in some way. You have to turn around and say, is there any other way into this fucking room? Like Seriously. I think that we sometimes get it into our heads um, that, and I don't mean to speak for everyone, of course, just from my own experience, but you you get on this like linear path. If I achieve X, then Y will happen. Y will lead to Z. Z will lead back to A. And I'll just get to start on this grand adventure that I call life. And at this age, this is going to happen and so on and so forth. And you know, really, I think the best things happen when you disengage, when you say, okay, this isn't working out. Um, I'm going to take five. Yeah,
1: I'm going to go, I'm going to go step outside.
0: <laughs> right. It's, it, um,
1: and Mitchell, the yeah. second that happened, when I finally just said, you know, fuck it. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I can say that on here, but I just did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> I... Literally received an email from my artistic producer at Tuacon to come back and do the Christmas show.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: I got the offer to do the voice for the cartoon. Uh Uh-huh. And I got an offer for a pilot. Like, all in, like, within hours of saying fuck it.
0: It's incredible.
1: And, And just, like, releasing and saying, none of this matters at the moment.
0: No. No. And And you're right. right. I mean, it is a privilege to be able to say that, like, fuck it. I'm just going to go stay with my family. But also find what that fuck it is to you. Absolutely. I
1: completely agree.
0: Like, I I, I, I mean, even even just just changing, like, I know I used to take bike rides all the time, right? I was, like, going biking to my fucking restaurant job. And I was just listening to nothing or listening to music and I was like, I could be bettering myself right now. I could be listening to a podcast and I started listening to podcasts and that's how I got into this entire thing. You have to, I mean, you'd be like, I could do that. I'm on my bike ride. I'm like, yeah, that that sounds like me. I can put something like that together. Yeah. Any one of those moments that you say, fuck it, wait take a step back. Listen, what's actually happening? You said you found out a lot about yourself. I think that starts with going back to, wait, why am I the way I am? What morals do I have? What, why do I like the things I like? And I don't think you can really get there without, you know, self-actualization and and self-love.
1: And being completely honest with yourself. Like, don't lie to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. You wouldn't do that to your best friend. Like... I was telling myself that, you know, this business isn't for you. You you can't get a job. You only make it to the final callback and then you're not good enough. Like, mm. you don't belong in this business. Everyone else is working con- consistently. There's something wrong with you. Mm. When really, I turn around I'm like, no, I'm just a really, really, really specific type. Um, that I'm going to fit great in something, someday, somewhere. And, yeah. And just yeah accepting yourself for what you are and who you are to your core
0: mm-hmm. and and i mean not even i don't know how to quite explain it but like the thing you are may not be what you expect or it, it may not be what you've been telling yourself that you are for so many years or that others are telling you are uh you you are um i, I was like wait um, <laughs> you 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 you, you, you. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, it takes a while. I think um, I read a quote um, somewhere that said, like, you have three, you know, masks. There's one that, like, you show the world, and then there's one that you show your friends, and then there's one that is reserved, you know, specifically for you, um, and, and you don't show anyone, and, and that's who you truly are. And if you can tap into that, you will be wildly successful because no one will have ever seen it coming.
1: Absolutely, and and your heightened self is absolutely a thing that I've recently discovered, because um, like me personally, again being very honest, I can be super kind of aggressive, like toward my wants and needs, and sometimes toward people. But when I realize that it's just because I'm frustrated, um, I'm able to breathe and be like, you know what, everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Hannah. Right. Take a breath and and smile through the hard stuff Um, and like laugh when the homeless man's peeing on the subway, you know, instead of getting like angry and say, New York sucks, you know?
0: Uh huh. Where do you think, curiously, where do you think that anger comes from? Because I feel like you wouldn't be able to. Um, identify that and just be like, just relax to yourself if you didn't know kind of like where it originated. Is it just from that year of, of...
1: I think so. It kind of really all started from 2018, just being frustrated and wanting things just so and kind of losing control. Um, and, uh, then realizing that I can, you know, only control what I can do and I can't control other people. There's, that's just the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Um... And, but I've always been, like, just aggressive in my wants and needs. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm super hungry in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes aggression is not a bad thing to have.
0: Oh, I don't um, think it's a bad thing at all. No,
1: it's, and uh, it's, like, in the audition room, like, I will start out front and center, period. Yeah. And, and like, that's just kind of what it is. Um. When I was a child, I was always front and center, first to go across the floor. Like I was, I've just been very go getter, as they say. <laughs> assertive, yeah. Yes. Um,
0: enough. I think there's a difference between a- aggression and being assertive. Um, aggression is like unwarranted, unbridled. It it just wants to like inflict hurt. I think being assertive is saying, "I know what I want, and I know how to get it," and. It's kind of like not in a sexual way, but hot. Like it's it's <laughs> super attractive to see someone that knows exactly what they want and how they want it and what they want and I totally get your um your point about control in that I think when we as actors especially, um, when we start to lose control, we start to take it in really weird ways. And
1: you start to grip and gripping Ye- is Yeah is just the tip of the iceberg of losing control.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's it manifests itself in different ways, like behaviorally, because we have probably a, you probably have an exceptional control over your voice, your mind, your body, your, uh, you know, your talent, all of these things that you have honed. Uh, over such time and then to see other people not do the things you want to do you're like i just want to snap it into place kind of
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> um but i would say that that's a really you know awesome insight into who you are and who we are i think as as actors um not that every actor has that problem holy shit N- no one listened not, to this yeah, podcast everyone has and that like-
1: mon- mentality um i know a lot of my friends are very kind of Say la vie and mm-hmm. whatever job comes next great and, and honestly they're the people that work a lot um, mm-hmm. and like uh, but then there are the people that are like sometimes you know I think that they're making an excuse and they're like I'm just taking a break um, right I'm focusing on myself and sometimes they're telling the truth and you can tell you can mm-hmm. tell if someone's like I'm just tired of waking up at 6am for auditions which that's part of staying hungry like I I suffer from anxiety and depression, and a lot of mornings I wake up and it's raining out, and there's an audition that I fit, and I'm like, you know, I really don't want to go to this. Yeah, you like, Ugh. it's so easy to stay in bed, but just get your ass out of bed and go. Just get your ass out of bed and go.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, think, I think, all think all of it's, it's battling right 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 and and, and, um, and you know you trying try to, try figure to figure out, out what, what you can, can control, control and remedying and that in the ways that you can. So if that's exercise. Um, Um, or or, I don't know, reading a book or, you know, finding something that you can control. control cleaning. I know a lot of people with anxiety love to clean. I mean, because they feel in control, whatever it is, you do that thing and release it there. And then when you get in the room, you can, you can be totally you. Um, but so what does that mean, you know, for you now to kind of striking this balance of, I don't want to go and, Oh, I really need to go. What is that balance of like self care?
1: Um, hmm, I'm trying, can you repeat the question? I'm a little...
0: Yeah, no, no problem. Um, it's like, I mean, you're talking a lot about how you kind of had this year off where you were doing a lot of work in restaurants and, um, having a shitty time of it. And then, you know, all these things kind of happened and now you're busy. We heard from your bio. You are busy. Um... (laughs) So how so do you take you the take time, time to, say, to say, you know, you know what, this, this is, is a priority. priority I, need I need to take time to for me. For and me. what, what does, does that look, that look like?
1: Um, so I'm still figuring out the healthy way to go about that, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. But I have realized it's when I <laughs> haven't showered in two days. And I'm <laughs> like, I, oops, Like, <laughs> um, or like, you know, I look down at my toenails and I'm like, oh, haven't cut those in a sec. And when I, it's like my personal self-care as well as like when I'm thinking about when I'm going to my next restaurant job next and not the next audition. Hmm. And that's when I'm like, all right, on this day off, I'm going to do this and this and this. And I know that this all makes me very happy and keeps my brain alive. And I I feel fed by it. And then I do it. (laughs) Um, but I'm trying to, you know, schedule out at least two days a week for myself or like at least a day and a half to really rest because, um, as you know, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know the equity Monday, um, when you're on a contract, uh, so you, you'll usually have like all of Sunday afternoon off Monday and then all of Tuesday off until your show, Mm -hmm. which is so important. I mean, like they're given that time to rest like that. That is what that is for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to give that to myself as well to, to do the things I need to do. Also grocery shopping. When I have no food, I'm like, oops.
0: Yeah. Like laundry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Laundry. Um, when I see my rooms, a complete disaster. I'm like, gosh, all right, we're going to fix this. <laughs>
0: But I also think that there's there's a fine, even line, I don't know, at least for me, and and tell me what you think of this, but, like, sometimes I will, I'll have a day off, right, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to go grocery shopping, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get the, you know, make the bed, make sure I do my laundry, start doing this, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, (sighs) I didn't really take any time for me. Yeah. Like, I still, I, I adulted, or whatever you want to call it, I, Mm I, I did other responsibilities, Um, and so sometimes for me, like there are two hours of the day where I'm like, I don't know anyone, anything. And it's kind of drawing the line in the sand and saying, Hey, you know, um, (laughs) yeah, right to your friends to be like, look, I'm not going to make it tonight. Or like, mom, I'm going to call you tomorrow. And zoning into whatever you need. And sometimes that's where I find some of my biggest creative juices come from. Like I'll sit down to play a game or read a book and I'll go, oh my God, I have this brilliant fucking idea for this thing I've been writing. And then I run to the computer and start pounding away. So, I mean, oh, that's,
1: that's amazing. I love those bursts of inspiration.
0: But you never know where it's going to come from. And I just think to your point, you know, really it is about. Defining your boundaries and, and not lying to yourself, knowing who you are and what your limits are and finding when to push them and when to, to ease off the gas.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes the hardest part is learning when to push and when to chill. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you uh, like, I mean, it, it, this is all a process. Like, I have not figured out life. I haven't figured out myself. I mean, I'm only 26. Mm-hmm. Um. But I know that if I'm not going to an audition simply because I'm tired, that's not an option mm-hmm. if i if I don't want to go to an audition because I feel sick and my body is aching, I'll stay home <laughs> right. <laughs> right or like um i've I've worked nine days in a row, and i there's an audition the next day, and I'm just like i have to sleep or I'm going to get sick and then I'm going to miss all the rest of these auditions. Right. Right. Like, that's not even tired. That's like exhaustion Mm -hmm. to which you must just listening to yourself, I guess, is the most important thing.
0: Yeah. That's like burnout, which is a real real thing.
1: thing. Real, real.
0: And it's and kind it's, of like I've said this all the time. time, like you have you to have recharge your battery. battery. I mean, and even if you you go roll, like on a workout, workout, right, like if you're following a regimented, regimented plan, it'll say, you say you do this many reps, reps and then rest, rest for 30, and 30 seconds. 30 and it's it's, it's not like, like, you know, rest, uh, uh, you know, you eat, eat half a fried chicken and, you know put something on TV, on tv it's, it's saying, saying rest, rest recharge. recharge and then That's you're going to, to be able to hit ahead the, ahead the ahead rest ahead. of those reps and i think it's the That's same a great
1: way to put this <laughs> this whole thing
0: <laughs> it, it is it's like if you're not going to be able to do those reps if you don't rest if you keep powering through it you're just going to hit a point where you can't do anything and then you're going to be tr- well and truly useless or you're going to feel that way at least yeah. And you're going to be no help to yourself or anyone around you. And like you said, you're going to miss all those auditions instead of selectively saying, you know what, this one, I'm just not going to make it out there. And that's okay.
1: Yes. And um, me being such a disciplinarian to myself, so mm-hmm. assertive um, and so structured, mm-hmm. uh, I. this is something I am learning is to say, and that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, my parents growing up, it was 6 a.m. up for school, school, and then drive an hour to ballet, go to ballet till about nine hour home, do my homework till about one or two, get up, revert, like, just keep going, like, mm-hmm. trudge, trudge, trudge. And that's just kind of how I grew up. A little militant. Um, yeah. And I, I, I you know some of that behavior is really beneficial when i'm working and like mm-hmm. my work ethic i will say is very very strong and consistent mm-hmm. but you know some some days you know you just got to say that's okay <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm okay i'm not going to you know i i don't know i the world will not end if i do not go to this dance class, you know?
0: Yeah, it just won't <laughs> stop turning, which is a comforting thing and a not-so-comforting thing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's okay. Do you? So do you ever find yourself – sorry, and this is, like, one of the last questions, and then I know you're a busy lady. I'll, I'll let you get back to it, but, um, I mean, do you ever – like, is there someone that you have anchored to yourself to, like, look at them and say, like, is it your mom? You call your mom and you say, hey, mom, like, is the world going to end if I don't go to this dance call? Or, like, have you learned to, you know, tell yourself and be yourself for that and, like, hit a checklist like you were talking about? Or
1: Yeah, so um not quite anchored to anybody else, but uh, I definitely do rely on support of my family. Um And I feel bad. Yeah. So I do have a sister and she's a doctor. So she's like the black sheep of the family, which is usually it's the reverse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, I do rely on the support. But it's it is mostly me because I love my family and my parents are, like I said, extremely successful, but they um, are a bit out of touch with the industry nowadays. Sure. sure. Um, They were like on top of their game in the 80s, man. Like they were rock stars. And, um, they, like, for instance, my father made sure I had a black and white headshot when I moved to New York. And I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) That doesn't happen anymore. And it's, it's stuff like that. And he's like, you need to have, like, a Broadway song ready for every audition. I'm like, no, you don't. You can, like, have a pop song. I don't know. So they're a little out of touch. Um, but I just rely on their support. And if I... Have an issue with a contract, or if I have an issue with like the morals of some of the material I work on, or if um, I'm not quite sure if I should step on the gas or relax mm-hmm. on something, I'll always consult them, mm-hmm. and I definitely take into consideration what they have to say. But my word is the last word in whatever I do.
0: I think that's important. <laughs> Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been so um, elucidating and incredible, and I appreciate uh, all that you had to share, and thank you for sharing your story and your tips and tricks. Um, it was really such a pleasure having you.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Mitchell, for having me. And I miss
0: you. I miss you, too. We definitely (laughs) have to, like, call where maybe we're not on a podcast and I just hear you kind of tell me about the things. But um, in the meantime, uh, do you want to tell the listeners, um, you know, where they can find you on Instagram and, uh, you know, any of the other places they can find you online?
1: Yeah, that'd be great. So you can follow my personal profile, Hanosaurus Rex, H-A-N-O-S-A-U-R-U-S underscore Rex and also my cross stitch business which is granny hanny h a n n y underscore uh, x stitch.
0: Okay, awesome. What it's is awesome. this cross stitch thing? thing? What tell us a little bit about that. Oh,
1: it's uh it's fun. So I realize I really love to cross stitch. It's very very um anxiety reducing Uh Uh and it kind of makes me focus on something other than something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really repetitive and kind of meditative. And then by the end I've created something amazing. Wow. And then, um, I realized that a lot of my friends were asking how much my pieces were. And I was like, Oh wait, people want my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I started making bookmarks, small frameables, larger frameables, and they are all, um, different prices. Uh, but I like to do quotes, uh, self-affirmation, uh, funny quotes, and also naughty things.
0: Ooh. So
1: hit me up.
0: <laughs> Ooh, very! I'm going to go look right now. I'm sorry. we got to end the show. Um, I have something to do. <laughs> Um, Well thank you so much again Hannah for being on the show I can't wait Um, Listeners go check her out Follow her stuff She's amazing I I mean I can't wait to hear about All the great things that you get up to Let us know um, when the cartoon comes out Or where we can see the pilots Absolutely I will let you know Awesome well thank you so much Take care okay Thank you so much